Welcome back, everyone, to a victorious, a very excited Two Guys One Cup podcast playoff episode number four, 2022. It is fr- Sunday, May 8th, not Friday. Say a happy Mother's Day to your mothers. You have happy Mother's a Day, man. couple hours late left if you're in central time zone. Uh, yeah, happy Mother's Day to any mothers, mother cats, presumably, that might be listening to this That's right. right now. I assume adult women don't listen to this podcast. <laughs> that seems that seems like a stretch. But, you know, if you do, welcome. Um, you've got too much on your plate. Mom's worked too hard. Don't <laughs> you, got too you got like kids and stuff. Any advice yeah. we've ever given is completely wrong. That's right. Uh, to our mothers, you know, happy Mother's Day. Um to Mother Teresa, you know, I mean, I know she's not with us anymore, but happy Mother's Day to big, her, too. Big ups, big ups yeah, to Mother that's Teresa. Right. That's right. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, you know, it's a it's a day. It's it's a Hallmark day. So, you know, here we're celebrating it. Um, the Blues celebrated it in style today, I would say. A very, um, it was like a happy game and then a scary game and then a happy game again. And I don't know how to feel, Ian. And I think that's what we're going to try to do today. You're going to tell me how to feel about this mm-hmm. game. Much like therapy, we're going to sort out our feelings here for that's everyone. Right. Lay them that's, bare. That's right. And then we'll tell the people, um, as Bane would say. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so let's let's just jump right into it. So the Blues um, started this game, game four at home, down 2-1 into this, in the series after two um pretty lopsided defeats by the Minnesota wild. And uh, they were playing, you know, their last home game before returning to Minnesota for game five, they decided to start Jordan Bennington, which I think after last game was mostly a foregone conclusion. Although I think Ruby did the old, well, I'm not going to say until he comes mm. out of the tunnel or whatever sort a of smart, thing, but a smart move, the right move. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, it, obviously it was borne out by the results as well, but I think it was a pretty undeniable move uh, when he made it. And we can talk about that as well. Um, the Blues started pretty hot in this game, had a, a very, a lot of control in the um, first period, helped along by the fact that they did have a, a four minute 
um, power play thanks to a high stick, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, but first, Jordan Kyrou opened the scoring just 419 into the ser- into the game uh, with his second power- playoff goal from Buchnevich and Pareko. Uh, this was really a Pareko play. He intercepted a pass in the defensive zone, let the rush up ice. He chipped it in behind and then followed it up himself. He helped Buchnevich win the battle in the corner. Um, and then it got to the slot. Kyrou grabbed it and shot. Uh, that was a nice little rhyme. <laughs> the, the puck went high off of the flurry and then off the Lizard King. And Cairo cleanly grabbed it, settled it, and scored on the effectively empty net. Um, people who haven't watched this podcast ever before, Ian, might not know who the Lizard King is. Would you like to fill them in on that or leave them in the dark? You can figure that out for yourself. <laughs> I, no, no. I'll say, I'll say, look up, um, what's what was their former GM? Paul, Paul Fenton. Fenton. Look up Paul Fenton. And Lizard King, and you'll figure it out. <laughs> That's right. That's right. I wonder if that. Let's see if that actually bears bears itself out. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to send people down the wrong wrong rabbit hole here. Uh, yeah, that will get you the results you need. You're correct. It'll get you right. I wish right. we. I wish we had a player that had like such a name, you know, and that uh-huh. was prolific. Because I, I, there'd be a lot. I mean, I think we. I think King. we invented this name. Are, are other people using it? I mean, people, I don't think other people are necessarily calling him a lizard. Paul Fenton called him a lizard, and thus everyone should. But, I mean, if you're not, you're lost. We we need to start giving our own players nicknames because we give other players great nicknames. That's right. Um, Including including Arison Ekekekekekekekek, who we're about to talk about in a minute. Um, So, Kairu with the first goal, very nice. He uh, handled it well, the, the... you know, settling the puck that was off of Lizard King's back and, you know, finding a way to deposit it, though the net was empty, still um, was a, a good bit of work. And the Blues took an early lead, which I think was a much needed confidence booster uh, for a kind of snake bitten team over the last few games. Um, usually, too, with Bennington in the net, sometimes through no fault of his own, it feels like we concede the first goal. So to get one up mm-hmm. with him in it, I think uh, I think that was important. The Blues then did get a four-minute minor. Um, I forget who did the high sticking, but it was on Mikolai, I believe. I think it was Fiala. Yeah. Um, he was arguing that his stick was lifted, which it was. But as the, as the rules expert explained, at least on the – um, T- TBS broadcast or TMT broadcast, it really doesn't matter. You're still in control of your own stick. You still made the guy bleed, et cetera, et cetera. Anthony, is it Anthony Russo? That's the beat writer for the Wild, right? Michael. Mike, Mike Russo. Um, he did some some research. He said on Twitter, he did lots of research. And he said, apparently, that shouldn't have been a penalty. And then mm. everyone said, but the TNT guy said, the, you know, the rules expert said it was. And he was like, well, you're wrong. And he's wrong. And I was like, okay, Russo, okay. Um, okay. I mean, probably not though, but okay. Yeah. I I like Russo, except for when we're playing his team, because then I'm like, okay, buddy. Yeah. Calm down. He's he like he gives me um slight Lucorak vibes. Yeah, uh-huh, uh-huh. Some Lucorak vibes. He likes to get into it with fans. And with and with uh, Anson Carter. Though. And Anson Carter. Or, or Kevin, was it Kevin Weeks? Which that was Anson Carter. It was Anson. Yeah. <laughs> Every time they they cut to those guys on TNT to talk about the series, I'm like, come on, Anson, say say something weird. <laughs> say something uncomfortable. We love you, Anson. Um, that power play was very nice. They didn't score 
but they had an immense pressure, which was led in great part by, I should have mentioned this from the top, Scott Perunovic, who after in his first game since like January returned um, and quarterbacked, I would say the majority of this four minute power play. Mm-hmm. Um, I forgot he, how good he is, how smooth a skater he is, how strong and confident he looks in possession um, from a guy, you know, for a guy who essentially got rushed back to right. be in this game, um, basically by Baruby's own admission. I mean, obviously they're not, I don't think they're putting his health at risk, but you know, he probably doesn't have the strength and conditioning to where they would like it to be for him to return. And we just don't have quality defenders who are healthy, who can play in this game. So we brought him in and um, yeah, I thought he looked really good here. He had one very nice um, hold in at the line, which later Pareko couldn't match, which I just thought wasn't, you know, not to be a shot at Pareko, but just kind of evidence of how mature his game is on that side of the ice. How did you feel about watching him and seeing him back and the surrealness of it all? Yeah, that's kind of weird. I didn't think he'd be back at all this this whole uh, year. It's, I think you're right. It's kind of forgotten how good he is. I mean, skating, puck handling. Um, I think just watching him play quarterback in the power play is like, you know, this is pretty much, I know we have Tory Krug for like whatever it is, five more years or so, but it's like, this is your Tory Krug replacement right here. Mm-hmm. Um, not just in, in stature, but also in like, skill set and I thought he looked really comfortable out there for this being his first NHL game back in forever and his first NHL playoff game period um he looked pretty composed I mean I know they didn't play him a lot outside of like the power play time um you know five on five and everything but I still thought he didn't make any like major gaps which is alone in your first NHL game the game you your team really needs to win is like a huge victory mm-hmm yeah, I agree. And, I, you know, really yesterday when I saw, um, you know, Baruby had a little comment about it, like, hey, I, you know, I'd probably not a situation where we'd want to start him, but he's definitely an option. And we're thinking long and hard about it because we don't have many other options. <laughs> Who was it? Krug's, Krug, um, Krug, Letty and Bortuzzo were all out for this game. Mm-hmm. And then they brought in Scandella, but even he, I don't think was supposed <laughs> was like nearly a hundred percent because he obviously yeah. left again. And I think he that did the uh, like... did the Grandpa Simpson meme. He walked right in, hung his hat up, <laughs> put his hat back on, and walked out. <laughs> so that's pretty good. Um, yeah. So uh, it just it got me really thinking about like I think we make this mistake of thinking that the playoffs are like a monolithic. Um, it's like one story, like it's one ongoing story, you know, like, like the playoffs are just one chunk of a thing and you have to be a good team going into the playoffs to get through the playoffs. And that team that starts the playoffs is the same team that ends the playoffs. And it's just like the Scott Perunovich thing is it is a good, good example of how, like, that's just so far from the truth. These the playoffs change so much from, from series to series and even game to game hmm. that like, you know, if I, if, if you'd told either of us on Monday that Scott Perunovich will be quarterbacking a power play on in game four, we would have both looked at you like you had a, a chicken and like you lost <laughs> your mind, you know, and like justifiably so. And that's obviously an extreme case to some extent, but like, it's, it's interesting to me, you know, if you think back at the at the Blues 
when they won the cup, like the different times, you know, Robbie Fabry wasn't a factor in most of that series in most of that playoffs, but he did get that critical goal against Dallas and like, um, you know, the Winnipeg series was its own story. And like, we, you know, you had that one goal that Schwartz or, or Shen gets really late that turns that one game around. And then from there, you basically dominate the series. And, and with, um, you know, with the star series, it's like, if you don't bring back Sammy Boy when you do, you know, maybe you don't win that series. And Pat Maroon plays his role at one point and scores that goal, which was like a two, three years ago yesterday or something. And, you know, then you talk about Thomas being out and different guys stepping up and Gunnarsson scoring and like people step in and out during these series is Samford. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, somehow my, <laughs> somehow my Siri picked up for me say, saying what I, the series word um, and <laughs> muted me probably. But anyway, like Samford. Now you're you know, ordering like 50 jerseys. <laughs> that's right. And they're all Zach Samford jerseys. Good news <laughs> is they're cheap. Um, but Samford, you know, didn't play at all and then became a really important player in the final. Like I'm, I'm kind of belaboring this point, but it's just, I think we think of it as like, this is one team that they've they're set for the playoffs and they just go through the playoffs and if they make it they make it and it's like mm-hmm. they talk about it as a second season but it really is like you have to adjust your roster's going to change people are going to get hurt you've got to fill holes and the narrative's going to change and people are going to get opportunities in the playoffs that they might not have gotten and you know Jordan Bennington I think is another example where it's like he's the starter again now like in one game he's got to lose that job now mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> i was thinking about and, that today it was like that's now you instantly re maybe not rewritten but like kind of like overwritten or like what happened this season is great and all but now it's just that's it's a different it's a different feeling now it's a whole different uh ball game and so it's whoever's performing right now um and yeah that's all about like different players stepping up you can play 28 games possibly you know in the postseason Mm -hmm. that's a huge chunk of the season and the blues have and every team in the nhl goes from like hot to not or not to hot or up and down two or three times in a 28 game span so like if you're playing all those games and you're winning just enough to get through to each round you're going to have players in droughts you're going to bring in other people that play better you're going to you know you're going to have all these different changes and it's going to that just has to be adjustments because if you're a team that's not adjusting you're either sweeping every series or you're out you know what i mean mm-hmm. like if you're not adjusting it's either it's going really well or you're done <laughs> because yeah that's that's what that's all like seven game series are is like having to having to lean on different guys and figure out what's working and what's not um i think you're right though you just would have never thought scott Brunovich would be one of those people you're leaning on at this point in the season um and that it, and this game it worked um I have a lot of faith in them, actually. I think having fresh legs and everything, too, like you can say, oh, he's rusty. Um, it's going to take some time. But I think when you're thrown in the fire like this, it's like you're either going to succeed or they're going to start benching you anyways because they're going to mm-hmm. see instantly like, ah, he doesn't have it like right now. So well, as long like, as you're out there, I think you're going to be doing well. And plus, it's like this isn't a guy with no pedigree. He was on a team that would have probably been three Pete NCAA champions had not had COVID not derailed that. And I'm not trying to say the frozen four is anything like the playoffs, 
but it's probably as close to the NHL playoffs as you can get without being in them, you know? So like, Mm -hmm. it's not like he's totally unprepared to be in high stakes hockey games. Um, Yeah. It'll be very interesting to watch him. You assume that he's going to be in the lineup now until he's not, you know, Mm -hmm. and, and of course that could only be two or three more games because this series is far from decided in the boys favor, but um yeah, I'm excited, very excited to have him back. And even, you know, even if the Blues lose this series, let's say, and, you know, he doesn't make a major impact, like good for him as a development, as a player to like have that, have those games in hand and like not be entering the season starting from square one again next year, you know, mm-hmm. like you're going to have to basically rehash and, and you know, at least, at least he'll have some confidence and, all of that. So um, speaking of things that don't inspire confidence, <laughs> uh, you knew after the wild successfully killed the four minute penalty um, that there will probably be a momentum swing. And there was um, Kaprizov scored his fifth goal. Thank God I drafted him in the playoff pool um, from Spurgeon and Hartman. Uh, <laughs> don't, make me, don't even make me check. It was, uh, you're, you did a lot, you're doing a lot better. I, you're, I, you may still be in fifth, but you've scored, <laughs> you've scored a lot of points now. So I think, I think you're doing better than you were. Your team's, your team's caught some fire, you know? Um, but uh, in any case, this goal can pretty much be summed up by the picture that uh, Greg, <laughs> Greg Wyshynski tweeted actually, which is Kiro Kaprizov. Um, with a perfect diamond formation of blues players that can't possibly reach him um, in the slot and pass from Jared Spurgeon to him for the one timer. I mean, the defense was shorthanded, severely shorthanded. And Scandella who was in this picture was obviously not healthy. Um, This is still a bad look for the guy who's been tearing you up all season to be able to be posted up in the slot completely unmanned. Um, that's a tough pill to swallow, whatever the circumstances, you know? Um, I mean, I think like you said in your like hockey radar preview or, or like the preview you do with the wild, uh-huh. the wild radar, where it's like, you're not going to be able to contain Kaprizov, like he's just going to score, but it's like, you look at that picture and it's like, but when he puts himself in an area to be contained, you should do it. You should yeah. just write it off and be like, well, you know, he's going to score. I'd be like, well, you right. should still try though. It's like there's a, a night and day difference between this and like that goal he scored yesterday or um, Friday when he like forced the turnover, got the breakaway, took the shot, collected the rebound and still managed to ping it in off Huso's skate. Like even though you could say Huso should be aware of that and prevent it, like that's such an incredible effort and skill play that you can't really be mad about it. Mm-hmm. In this case, like any blues player could have scored from there too. And none of them are Kirill Kaprasov, you know, so it's just like, uh, it's just a, a little bit of a bitter pill. And if that had been a bigger, bigger moment in the final reckoning of this game, it would have been pretty hard to swallow. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of moments in late in this period where O'Reilly really took a beating. He got shoved into the cross by, cross by, by, cross by, um, <laughs> Who was that? Was that Randy Carlisle? There Randy Carlisle, <laughs> who may or may not be being interviewed as the Jets' new coach. I mean, oh, he's an option. Baby. Bring Randy how, Carlisle back. How many Norris trophies have you got? Or, or was it Stanley Cup rings? 
uh, crossbar. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> that was the moment I think I fell in love with the spinning chicklets guys, which I haven't listened to in years now, <laughs> you know, for, for a period. Uh, in any case, <laughs> Felino shoved O'Reilly from behind into the crossbar. Um, you know, if if they didn't make those detachable nets now, Ryan O'Reilly would be done from this series and maybe uh, far worse than that, especially without a visor, which Ryan, wear a visor, man. You're out of your, you're out of your yeah, real, mind. Bro. I don't know. You can even do the, you can do the J-Bo Meester deal where you like angle it way yeah. up so it's not doing anything, but let's yeah. Let's, Put it but, on for appearances' sake. <laughs> in any case, um, it wasn't a penalty. This was a this was a scumbag play. I mean, this was real bad. I'm sure it's not going to get any supplemental discipline or anything, but pretty yikes, as far as I was concerned. Um, do you have any thoughts on that one? I mean, I feel like between this and like um, everything else that went on with O'Reilly this game, like I just felt like they kind of got away with a lot. It wasn't anything like terrible but i was just like man come on you're not gonna like try and clean some of this up like Mm -hmm. i feel like the wild are definitely still trying to play a kind of rough and tumble game i think that's probably what we're gonna see on on wednesday or on tuesday they're probably gonna try and rough up the blues some more um just try and get in their heads i just don't think we are that team anymore but like yeah sometimes it happens like ryan o'reilly who i'm sure will like throw him if it's warranted but i'm like dude i'm sure this guy's not uh chirping at Greenway or whatever all the time. So mm-hmm. like just leave Ryan O'Reilly alone. I'm gonna go and after somebody, go after Robert Bortuzzo when he comes back. That's the thing. They're definitely trying to pick on your captain because he's your captain. Um and as you just alluded to, uh Greenway later kind of dummied him and hit him a couple times and and somehow it ended up as matching minors for him and O'Reilly. And that was you know, a dog. That was so yeah. stupid. Like they both grabbed <laughs> each other's sticks and like the play was already over. I'm like 90% uh-huh. sure and they're like well, I mean, you you roughed up O'Reilly, but then he grabbed your stick, right? I'm like, I'm pretty sure, like, after the whistle. <laughs> yeah. It was the weirdest, like, matching minors I've ever it seen. It was the weirdest, like, we can't end this with, we can't end the penalty with the one-sided, or we can't right. end the period with a one-sided penalty, so I guess we've got to give O'Reilly. Old Tim something. Peel got to even them up, you know. That's right. O'Reilly, uh, Mr. Lady Bing, apparently not in the playoffs. Um, but you know, I'm not usually the fisticuffs guy. I think I think we are, our track record on that is pretty clear. But it, after these couple of incidents, it was, it was kind of bothering me that nobody was doing anything to stand up to the captain. Right. Um, but in any case, didn't end up, you know, being that big a deal. Erickson ek, 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 did have a high sticking. Uh, it was a four on three power play for a period that would become a five on four. We didn't um, ultimately do anything with it. And the game... Went into the second period tied at one. How are you feeling at this point of the matchup? Um, I thought I, I think I wasn't I wasn't feeling too great. I think I was kind of high on that Kyrie goal. Freeze up goal happened. And I was kind of like, oh, you know, it's still only tied. But I feel like they've they've obviously been winning these last two games, and they've opened up the scoring a lot stronger than we have. So mm-hmm. I was like, oh, if we don't get another one quick, I feel like it could be a really quick like. Two one three one four one for the wild, just because that's how it's how it seemed to go these last two games. So I was pessimistic, surprisingly. That is hard to believe with you, and you're usually such a, a natural, free flowing optimist. But mm-hmm. um, the Blues did commit a penalty early in the second, which didn't inspire any more confidence. Um, they did kill it, though. Um, 
TBS announced that Scandella wouldn't be back. I wrote shame, which I feel bad about. You know, Marco, I don't want you to be unhealthy. I just want you to play for a different team. <laughs> um, but they also we, said that... Go we address seven defensemen too. So yeah, like we least, did. I mean, we were down a player, but at least we had a full <laughs> defensive pairings, I guess. Burby's like, I'm just going to cobble together whoever's still standing in the third <laughs> period. That's right. Uh, which they basically did. I think Pareko literally played with every other person every that's what it looked like yeah um at one point uh they did announce that letty and bortuzzo might be close and could potentially be back for game five so um fingers crossed on that that would be great um second period was not you know it's pretty back and forth um but uh the blues pushed i think a little more and they finally had a breakthrough halfway through 10 30 peron uh, got a, a goal after a wild sequence, his fourth of the playoffs assisted by O'Reilly and Mr. Perunovic. Um, Perunovic chipped a puck away from our blue line to O'Reilly at center ice. O'Reilly carried it in and centered it to Perron, who was streaking past his man and the last defender. Uh, he went forehand, backhand, and the puck got through Flurry somehow and was behind him, um, but it ultimately got kind of checked back off of Flurry's back and and Felino's skate and went in. Um, you know, I think it was a bit of puck luck, but also kind of a deserved goal just based on the momentum of the play and and the play um, Perron made to get there and, and all that. Um, little fluky, but we'll take it, you know. Right. Um, and if if that was fluky, the next one was well, it required some help, it required some assistance from Dumba, um, who was looking pretty Dumba on this one. Oh, but, uh, Kill he, uh, it was pure, pure skill from Kairou. This was a beautiful goal. Dumba tried to leave the puck basically for no one behind the net. Um, O'Reilly took it right there to get it and center it for Cairo, who was all alone streaking towards the net. At this point, Dumba's come around the net on the far side uh, and went to check Cairo, who he previously kind of launched himself at Cairo, um, and Cairo had avoided it. And this time, Cairo knew he was going to be aggressive and come at him. So he fakes the shot, went between his legs, he slipped between Dumba. Um, and Jost in an amount of space that I don't think any other human hockey player could have <laughs> um, slid through. And then he tucked <laughs> it over the stretching flurry with a backhand. Uh, it was a gorgeous goal. It was really, I mean, one of the best you'll ever see. In fact, um, Kyra was, was asked if that was the best goal he's ever scored. And he said, definitely the best playoff goal. Yeah. Which is like, okay. I mean, you don't have that many to choose from, but um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was, to me, we talked about it last time because there have been the, the boo birds have been out for Cairo in this series predictably. I mean, there's blues fans hates there. There are blues fans that truly hate skill and speed. Like mm-hmm. there are blues fans who truly feel like if you are not a physical grinding player, you are not a good hockey player, which is a wild conclusion to reach. Um, but uh as I said last time or, or recently, I don't know how you can possibly not plan to build your franchise around a Jordan Cairo. I mean, the things he can do on the ice, the skill he has. Um, people, somebody talked about trading Cairo for Chikrin straight up. Like, that's a wild overpay. <laughs> and I mm-hmm. like Jacob Chikrin, but that's an insane overpay. 
Um, Kyra's, you know, the only way you trade him is if you're getting like a Matthew Kachuk or, you know, a Mitch Marner, if you can make the contract make sense or whatever, like you'd have to be upgrading to an even better forward. I think for that to make any sense. Um, and even then I'm not, I wouldn't be like dying to do it, you know? Right. I mean, he's like a potential game breaker with yeah. a skill set, but it's like, I need, I need something of that ilk or potential back. And you don't, you don't see that everywhere. Again, it might not show up on the score sheet or on the ice every single game. And I get that people, you know, Blues fans with Kyler just want to see that work ethic. But like, again, like we said, his, his skill set is not grinding it out in the corners and things like that. His skill set is what you saw today, being in close in the net, being able to score, having like sick hands to be able to like deep around people. It's not always going to work. There's multiple times this game where he tried to pass through people's feet and it almost worked. And then it would bounce off someone's skate or the defender would turn around and whack at it. And, I can see how that's frustrating, but sometimes I think people focus on that and that alone. Mm-hmm. And then any, any good thing someone does, even if it's just a pat, a really nice pass that doesn't lead to a goal that didn't count for anything. So it's right. automatically like, well, they're not working. They're not whatever. And I'm like, just cause they're what might not be a finish at the end doesn't mean like that they're not doing anything. So I, I was super happy to see him get on the score sheet. I thought he had a really good game. We'll talk about it later that he could have probably had, you know, one, two more goals, um, depending on how he finishes some of those plays. So if you can keep that up, um, I think it's going to be a hard task in a game five in Minnesota where you can match up against them, you know, line match and everything. But if you can keep that up in some capacity, I think that'd be great because we need as many people scoring outside of that um, Saad, O'Reilly, Perron line. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um yeah, and we saw it in this game. I mean, he was he was the difference ultimately. There were a couple of people that were big performers, but he was certainly one with two goals. Uh, Ian, at this point, at this point, there's seven minutes left in the period, and I look at the shot clock or the shots, and it's twenty six to eleven Blues. And I think to myself, I've seen enough hockey games to know that this isn't going to end with us having two and a half shots to their <laughs> one. That's um, right, and. From this point until uh, 18 minutes left, 18 minutes elapsed in the third period when Perron scored his miracle goal that we'll talk about. Um, I am sure that the Wild made adjustments and I am sure that they tightened up on their sticks and got down to work and, and grinded more and played better and all that sort of good stuff. I'm sure it's not just a negative on the boys, but the Blues really, really, really did go full Ken Hitchcock turtle in this. And um, it really bothered me. And it, had it not been for the O'Reilly goal at the end, you know, the prong goal was nice because it took the pressure off, but it wasn't wasn't like an offensive achievement sort of thing, you know, like mm-hmm. it was luck. Um, it's a lot of skill, but luck, you know. Um, had it not been for the O'Reilly goal at the end, I think this would have been a much more – kind of negative podcast because of what unfolded in this stretch. So um, with seven minutes left, 26, 11 on shots, uh, it finished 34 to 30 spoiler alert. So (laughs) um, in the final 27 minutes of this game, they outshot us 19 to eight. um, If my quick math is correct. Uh, 
Ian, you're a math guy. Was my math correct? Oh, I wasn't paying attention to your numbers. <laughs> I believe you. 34 to 26 is 8. 30 to 11 is 19. So, yeah, 19 to 8. Um, Perfect. The, Flawless. Bennington made a huge save here. They had a five on four. It had been a five on three briefly. Um, the Wild made a cross-ice pass, and Bennington got kind of post to post as he's really good at doing in big moments and made the queen gloves save he controlled it and gave out no rebound um that was a pivotal moment in this game uh in the final 10 seconds Kyrie and barbashev had a two-on-one uh and he Kyrie chose to pass and barbashev fanned on the shots uh with two goals already as hot as he is Kyrie definitely should shoot there i think um, even if he wants to use Barbashev as the fake out. And I will also say Craig Berube has kind of, I assume it's kind of tongue in cheek, but it's kind of an awkward comment about Kyrie that we'll quote here in a minute that I would imagine was at least in part alluding to that moment as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but in any case, uh, to Kyrie's credit though, I feel like if he, if Barbashev was a fan on that, that's a goal. Like right when yeah, he passed I mean, it, it, I'm like, here, for here, sure. I'm like, For here sure. we go goal. And then he fanned. I was like, Argh. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's definitely not all on um, not all on Kairu because that was uh, a good opportunity for Barbashev that he did not. Sometimes you forget that he or you remember that he's not actually a twenty-five goal scorer. You know, um, oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, he might be he might be like a fifteen consistently if he's really taken a step forward, but he's not actually a, a an every year twenty-five goal scorer type. In any right. case, um, that was that three to one going into the third period. Um, the wild took a lot of control at this point. Um, and Matt Baldy, of course, scored two and two minutes and 40 seconds. And they couldn't wait until there were like 10 minutes left, you know, or five minutes left to give us the full threaded pressure. Um, this was a weird goal. Bennington seemed to have it covered. Um, but although to be fair, he really had no clue where it was, you know, but it was kind of the, the sarcophagus coffin, laying down on the puck and praying to God it's under you, but it wasn't under him, but it kind of was. The refs definitely lost sight of it for a while, but they didn't blow the whistle. Um, Boldy went in and forced it out from underneath Bennington, which again, I don't know if that's 100% legal, but he did enough to get it into the net, um, and it was his first goal of the playoffs, his first, I guess, ever NHL playoff goal, Um, and it certainly tightened the pressure three to two the wild at this point um russo sometimes later in the period mentioned that the wild were being outshot 26 to 9 at one point um and that it had been a 16 to 3 wild run since then um i was tweeting a lot during this because as i already mentioned we just really hardcore turtled during this period and what I don't understand is like your opponent is going to make adjustments. Obviously mm-hmm. your job is to then make adjustments to that adjustments to those adjustments. But what I don't get is that we seem to completely abandon what had been working for us in the first couple of periods, which is we would make queen zone entries. Then we'd get the puck deep, but only once it was across the line, most of the time we weren't dumping chasing. I mean, we mm-hmm. were in a sense, but not in the sense of like you're, hoping you're wishing and praying to get it from in from the blue line. Um, and then we play tight and try and pressure and, and, you know, set up behind the net as we do very well and, and score, you know, from there, or at least set up opportunities. In this case, we were just chipping it in at the blue line again and again and again and getting off and chipping in and getting off and chipping in and getting off. And 
I understand that. I understand there's going to be rhythm to the game. It's going to have ebbs and flows. One team's going to take control of a portion and another team will take control of a different portion. That's all fine. I get it. But it was to such an extent that it really feels like it had to be a partially a coaching decision. And I just don't understand what that decision was. Um, maybe, you know, somebody said maybe they're gassed. And if that's the case, that's a much bigger problem. <laughs> like if they're, they're gassed in the second early in the third period of game four of the first round, that's, that's also an issue, even with all the injuries they've had, like, it kind of, to me, it goes back to that. We talked about it last time. I just don't think Craig Ruby is a strict, strategian uh what's the word strategist strategist i could not i want to say statistician i did uh i could not think of that conjugation of that word he's not a strategist um in the traditional sense and by traditional sense i mean he has no strategy (laughs) no but it, it just it really seemed to me like this was an intentional different intentional decision to not make a mistake to always be behind the play. There was one point where we had the puck and our forwards had it below, below the slot, like in the, in the slot or below the half circle, you know, that sort of thing. And Mm. our defenders were still outside the blue zone. And it's like, listen, I know we've gotten burned a couple of times by Capra's off getting something past us and going the other way, but I don't even think he was on the ice. And, you know, in my opinion, and we had it not been for the prong goal, we would have seen this like, I don't think you're holding off this wild team for a period and a half effectively by just trying to turtle and prevent them from scoring. You know, I think they've got enough skill and, and they're three lines deep. It's one thing if you're going to turtle when Capra's off is on the ice and basically treat it like you're on basically on the penalty kill more or less. But when you're doing that for all three or four lines, I don't know, it just, it really didn't sit well with me. Did you get that same sense or were you feeling like they were doing a better job and I'm just not giving them enough credit? Well, I mean, I was definitely worried that the Wild were going to easily score another goal with how much time they had left in the period. And to me, Mm -hmm. I felt like if you're only up by one goal, I know you're going to try and play a mistake-free hockey, and that's like goal number one. But like goal number two, right behind that, almost almost goal 1B, if you will, would be to score another goal. (laughs) And it just felt like we had enough control in the first period. Yeah, we, we had lost some of it in the second but I thought we actually played well enough in the third um, up until like the 10 minute mark. I was like, I think we can, you can probably put another one in um, if they, if they try it, if they're opportunistic, I think that's kind of the problem I have is that they looked a little, a little turtly, um, but it didn't look like anytime the wild made a mistake or a turnover. Yeah. It looked like we were kind of just trying to get in the zone and get it behind the net. And that was kind of about it rather than be like, Hey, if they're making a mistake like that, and we can make like it into a three on two or a two on one um, with a little bit of work, a little bit of effort. Why not do that? Um, which is what kind of made me think, well, maybe, maybe they are gas. Maybe that, you know, they've got Prunovich is tired. They don't want to put him out there all that much. You're playing Falk and break a lot more, but it still felt like we still had the horses to get another goal. Um, and like you said, I was super worried when they pulled the goalie and I was super happy that we were able to get the, the prong goal when they did just so we could, ice the game away at that point Mm -hmm. even then though i think there was like what there's still like two minutes left and they were pressuring pretty hard for a while until the other penalty happened and i was Mm -hmm. like man i don't know i mean we should be good for two but like a quick one and it's four three i'm like now i'm right back to being where i was before (laughs) um yeah we'll see how it goes i'm hoping some of this rest 
over these next couple of days and maybe in Bortuzzo and Letty back, or at least one of them back, will kind of help the D a little bit, be able to play or spread those minutes out a bit more. But yeah, I would, I would think that if you're going to play that sort of hockey that you need to be scoring even more than the three goals you already scored to start the game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I agree with all that. I just thought it was not great. Um, I don't know. It, re- it really bothered me. It really bothered me. And then we won. And so it kind of went away, but um, definitely was not, not a play I enjoyed or not a period of play. I enjoyed watching. Um, Peron though did save this basically the moment Flurry stepped off the ice. Um, he got some space along the wall um, and he kind of measured his shot and lined it up and, and shipped it like a, you know, long golf shot. Uh, and he ate a hit for his troubles. He knew that was coming. Um, and just picture perfect on the net, like, you know, center, center cut. Uh, you see a, a hundred of those and the most of the time they don't go in. Um, this one fortunately did. And, uh, you know, that pretty much sealed the game. As you mentioned, the, the wild had some pressure. Fiala did cross check Peron then in a scrum, um, and then O'Reilly would score the power play goal, which was a nice, you know, kind of our typical, very nice passing power play goal. Um, mm. I forgot to actually go back and break it down and take notes on it, but I'm sure, I'm sure, I'm sure it was nice. Um, it was good. I enjoyed that it went through Flurry. He got a good chunk of it, but it rolled in behind him, um, which I kind of like just to give them a little bit of like trepidation where it's like, hey, look, you can like put it on net and I'll just kind of, you know, he's he's got some holes in him, you know. Maybe put a little uh, hole in that armor if you're thinking like we got to, you can only make them move side to side in order to score goals and flurry. It seems to be the book. And it's like, no, see, if you just put the puck on net, you can actually like beat them just normally too. So mm-hmm. I, I liked having the little salt in the wound at the end there just to be like, okay, see, we can score. It's okay. MBD. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! Sorry, Stephen's dying. I'm sorry. I was reading this Twitter quote, and I thought it was like a joke, and it definitely wasn't. <laughs> it's a clip of of um, Sheldon Keefe right after the in the post game oh, no. press conference, and the quote is from the reporter: "Sheldon, why would you start your worst defenseman in a building you know is going to be this loud?" And he said, "Who was our worst defenseman?" And the reporter said, "Justin Hall." And <laughs> Keith shrugged and said, that's your opinion, I guess. But I thought it was like, you know, maybe that was like kind of the conversation, but it wasn't an actual quote. It was an actual quote. Wow. Who asked him that? Uh, I don't know. It doesn't say. They have some, they got some ballsy media up there. Yeah. It's got to be, what's his name? Uh, James Myrtle. He's the only one that can get away with that. (laughs) Um. Yeah, so I think the the O'Reilly goal did put a, a different taste on on this game because it felt like, hey, we we took back command. You know, it wasn't just a fluky, lucky. I mean, very skilled, but still very lucky. Perron goal. Um, mm-hmm. We did something that you know positive and won the game five to two. Um, definitely have more confidence because of it going into the next game still scared, still have all the nerves and anxiety and everything else, of course. But mm-hmm. um, we ended up 
with 34 shots to their 30 penalty minutes were even that's shocking in the playoffs. You almost never see that. You never, you never see the penalties even out, you know, right. um, crazy how that happened. Uh, <laughs> 21 <laughs> hits to 20. Uh, we had a very slight edge in Corsi four and a very, very slight uh, disadvantage and expected goals, but it was an extremely close game. It was just kind of a, a tale of two, two halves. Uh, the first half was a blues dominant performance and the second half was a, a wild dominant performance uh the third period actually was more evenly split than um hmm. i would have thought it was but uh um in the end it you know became pretty even the blues prevailed now it's 4-4 heading back uh, to minnesota on tuesday correct that's right um that's right and it will of course be another 8 30 mind-numbing I know. Game thanks, everyone. Yeah, for your troubles, it was a game five at 8 30. I was yeah. like, cross your fingers when they announce uh, yeah, the game Thursday six TVD, baby. It oh, no. <laughs> I mean, I guess if another, I guess if another series is over, it might not. Although I don't think any of the series on the same day as us can even be over. So we're fucked. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, a couple of key performers to talk about in this game. Um, the biggest, uh, I think, is Jordan Bennington. Um, we probably didn't talk about him enough throughout the course of talking about the game, but uh, you kind of said it earlier. It's like everything that was this season is done now. Like you, you can talk about it maybe after the postseason and and you know figure out what your goalie situation is going to be. Um, but he's the starter right now. And he's got to be the starter until he loses that job again. Like we talk about hot hand, we talk about whatever else you talk about your Psalms. You talk about your John 316. Well, Bennington 316. I took it <laughs> too far. I'm sorry. Um, but like, but uh, I, he was great. I mean, he was fantastic. He was everything you wanted him to be. There were a couple of times where he did the old, Euro Halak look behind, which scared me. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, it it wasn't, I don't think, out of a place uh, of, you know, um, unconfidence like he might have had in previous games. It was just like, I literally don't know where the puck is, and I certainly don't want it to be sliding in the net behind me, you know? Um, I think that if, if anything that would be the one concern is like he did to have seem to have a little bit of like puck um confusion but i think that's also because there were just a lot of scrums in front of him and and a lot of chaos uh and he weathered the storm very well he made that one big save we did talk about i mean he made a lot of big saves he made a lot of high saves too like pucks that seemingly came up and got him around the shoulders and uh, he had terrific rebound control too and i think I think in all four games of the series so far, the, the goalie who's had better rebound control has ultimately ended up winning. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, he certainly has had really good rebound control in this one. And it just, you know, it, I, I don't, I try not to get like too sentimental about it or anything, but like this dude just delivers when you need him. to. <laughs> like he just, he just delivers the mail when it's time to deliver the mail. Um, and, uh, you know, maybe like 
360 days out of the year, he may be like unpredictable. And sometimes your mail is wet for some reason and you don't really know why and whatever. It's a sunny day out. But on like Christmas Eve, the dude delivers the mail and you get the stuff you've been waiting for, you know, like he just gets it done. Um, and I really, I, to me, it's like at some point this fan base needs to respect him a little more. You don't have to like, you don't have to like go out of your way to be, you know, backing him against all odds and like saying he's better than Huso all the time or whatever else. But like, there has been a little bit of like, good, he should never start again. And I'm just like, what's wrong with you people? You know? Mm-hmm. So, um, Baruby said, we wanted to make a switch. We lost two in a row and just, we wanted to change the momentum and took a little bit and look a little bit. I thought he was really good tonight. He played the puck exceptionally well. That's a big thing. He looked real calm and cool in net. And Bennington himself said it felt good. I felt prepared. We had a good start to the game, a really good first period. Definitely a big win and a hard-fought win. Uh, We had guys step into the lineup, so it felt pretty good. And, you know, we've talked about this before, and there's been weird debates about it, but, like, Bennington finding his form and becoming the starter again, even if we lose in this series, if as long as he's not the reason, and certainly if we get through this series because of him and even lose in the next series or later in the playoffs, like if he comes out of the playoffs as the queer starter, that's a huge, huge thing for the Blues. That's a huge win for the mm-hmm. franchise with his contract, with Huso negotiating a contract. Um, you know, you just give yourself a lot a lot more confidence going into the off season, a lot more security and, and the most important position battle uh, in your franchise, if he can write the ship and be that guy again. And so it's just nothing but positives to say about old Jordo tonight. You have anything yeah. to add on there? I was just happy to see him look solid. Like I think for a guy like him, that's super competitive. You hear it all the time on broadcast from Payne and all those guys, very competitive guy. I think you put him in the playoffs to like win his job back. I think he's going to try his darndest to do it. You know what I mean? Like, I think Mm -hmm. this is his opportunity. He recognizes it. He's had a couple of those, um, you know, on our UCHL team and the Providence Bruins when he got sent there, when he got brought up, when, you know, we didn't have any other goalies to use. Like, I just think, you know, like you said, when he has the opportunity in front of him and we need him to take that by the you know horns he does that and so i actually feel like after one game in and maybe him building building even more confidence in this game that even if um i don't know even if the rest of the team just kind of eh, in the next game i feel like he's going to be a really big difference maker mm-hmm. um playing and playing away and against a home crowd i think that probably just like jacks him up even more you know mm-hmm yeah, I mean, he was uh, he was really good, and he had all the challenges, and um, he persevered. I'm just skimming through this uh, Bennington article that uh, Rutherford just posted, um, seeing if there's anything that we haven't already covered. Um, but yeah, I just think it's uh, I think it's really an important turning point in the series and for him personally to have this win. And we'll hope that he continues that success on Thursday, Tuesday. Perinovich mentioned look great. Um, He got the assist. It'll be crazy if he becomes a factor in the playoffs. 
Berube said he didn't get a lot of ice time, but I thought he did look good. Um, he did good, especially on the power play. I thought he did really well, moved the puck quick and handled the pressure and did some good things. He didn't get a ton of five on five time, but I thought he was fine. Um, yeah, I thought he also looked fantastic. Um, Berube said on the defensive effort, they did a good job today. There were some inexperienced guys in there. Perun, oh, Perunovich hasn't played in a long time. It just says P E R U N on there. And I was like, is that some guy I missed? Um, yeah. Santini, uh, not much time. I thought Pareko and Foglog, 30 minutes, uh, did an excellent job along with all of them. They did all did a good job. And they really, they did. I mean, I don't like the the style of play they played in the third period where they did allow a lot of pressure but it's not like they allowed a ton of 10 bell scoring chances necessarily i thought this was probably their best overall performance of Mm -hmm. the night uh and bennington did enough to make up for wherever they did falter um and this is this is the weird hopefully somewhat funny but maybe not funny quote from (laughs) craig berube that i need ian to help me react to berube said he could have had four goals but maybe he just wanted to score two i was on the bench saying the same thing but then he tells me the guy's stick is in the way and stuff they're the offensive guys i'm not but he had an excellent game (laughs) i gotta imagine that's something where like they tell him to shoot a lot or they tell him like, Hey uh-huh. man, you gotta do this. You gotta do that. You know, you really gotta try X, Y, and Z. And he's probably just like, yeah, man, like, yeah, a hundred percent, but you gotta understand that like a, B and C was happening and they're probably like, okay, well we don't uh, sure. I, I don't know. I'm <laughs> yeah. Craig Berube and I've taken Not- nine shots on an NHL goal. <laughs> Notorious, Before. notorious goal scorer Craig Berube. How many goals do you think he has? Career? He had over a thousand games. He played for a long time. I'm saying he had 18. I will go. I will go under. I'm gonna go Ian, under. Ian, this man had 61 in NHL. <laughs> I feel bad. I should have. I knew I should have <laughs> gone over. I should have too, but I mean, it's hard to believe. Career wow. year seven. He's a 60 goal scorer. In, in 93 94. I'm going to start saying that <laughs> with no context. Greg Groove exactly. is a 60 goal scorer. Check the stats. NHL.com. Career high in points. Oh, actually, a three straight. Oh, sorry. His career high in goals and points. Uh, well, he had three straight seasons uh, with two with Philly and one with Toronto and Calgary where he had 18 points, 17 points, and 17 points. And in the middle of those three seasons with Philly, he had eight goals, and that was his career high. He also had that in Calgary in 92-93. Um, what a player. What a player. Uh, anyway, um, Craig Kirby <laughs> is our coach, and that's fun. Uh, what are your thoughts going into game five now? What's your confidence level on a scale of one to 10? Um, I think if going into this game, my confidence level was like at a three. Ooh, that's um, high. I don't think mine was anywhere. Really. Right. <laughs> um, but I think this one, it's honestly, this one's like a five. Like, I think I'm just dead down. I'm dead center where I'm like, oh, did the wild just whoop up on the blues? Like at home, makes sense. Did, did the blues like stone the wild? 
and the wild <laughs> now look bad makes sense, makes sense. <laughs> like yeah. they, um to me I, I even this sounds too the reason i don't like to be optimistic is because i am scared that i will because be optimistic my life has sucked so much. <laughs> <laughs> i'm afraid i will open my heart to being optimistic and i will be stamped in the heart um, right. by the seam so i guard it but i do like when you're tied when, when it's a best of three now like because to me when you're sitting at the beginning of the series and like they have to win four games and say so you like lose the first one like oh man now they gotta win four games and they can't they can't lose you know three and then you're down 2-0 and it's like oh this just seems impossible all these sorts of things where you gotta take it game by game when you're tied 2-2 and it's now like a best of three I feel so much better about even if they lose game five like I'm mm-hmm. like oh man that sucks but then I'm also like I'm not even thinking about how they gotta win two in a row I'm just thinking man just win the next one and then if you win game six, I'm like, it's all it's all bets are off. Now it's just the last game. Um, so in a weird way, I feel more confident just because I don't think I'll be as scared if they lose game five, unless it's like in some horrendous fashion where I'm like, oh no, that's definitely carrying over to mm-hmm. another game or something. But I, I feel a little more confident. I also feel like we this game was good. But I also feel like the Blues actually played two really solid games in Minnesota. I mean, their worst game was game three here. Yeah. So, I mean, game one was great. And game two was honestly just kind of unlucky. And they could never quite get the offense going after that. But I feel like they'll play pretty good um, in Minnesota. And I'm really hoping if you can get Letty or Bertuzzo back or both of them back, um, that's a huge boon for this team. Bennington in and looking looking good. I think that's another, you know, really big plus for them. So we'll see how it goes. I thought the Wild just kind of looked meh today, and I'm kind mm-hmm. of hoping – I know they'll be back home. They'll have the matchups. They'll have the energy. They'll have the crowd. But, like, I'm, if you can take them out of it early, I think you have a really good shot of being able to try and win this thing in, in six. Um, and really for me, <laughs> this is so sad. But like we've talked about, you, you kind of know what it takes to win a cup now. You know the makeup of a team. You know the magic mm-hmm. that has to happen. And unless it's like utter magic in the next two games or something, I'm like, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. We just beat them 7 <laughs> nothing, two games in a row or something. Yeah. Um, but you see, you see the abs stomping on Nashville. I mean, Nashville's put up a fight, but, like, let's be real. Um I just don't, I guess what I'm trying to say is if you beat, if you beat Minnesota, I'm happy. That's to me, that's my, that's my uh, season victory. I'm like mission accomplished. Um, Honestly though, like from a, from a real perspective, like obviously we want to win the cup every year. Yeah. But if we come out of this playoffs, having won one round when we've lost the last two years and having um, uh, Bennington back confident and as Mm. the, of starter apparent and having Perunovic getting in games and making an impact um, and having Kyrou being confident in the playoffs. Like if those things all happen, that's a really positive result. You mm-hmm. know, there's, I don't, you always want to win the cup and I'm not saying that I wouldn't still hate it when they get eliminated. Cause I don't oh, yeah, know. But, like, <laughs> but like only one team gets to win the cup every year, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't think the odds are on it being us right now. Um, so take what you can get, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. like take mm-hmm. the positive things that you can take from this 
Um, and you know, deal with it. I mean, deal with, <laughs> deal with whatever you get out of it and go from there. You know? sound like parents telling their eight-year-old kid that wants to be an astronaut. They're like, well, you know, you could be, um, you know, like a mathematician of sorts, uh-huh. but an astronaut might be uh, too much for you. You got brittle bones. Man, the play- the playoffs, I, lo- I mean, Money Puck, I realize is kind of like, I mean, it's very calculated witchcraft, but it's a little bit of witchcraft. Yeah. But um, as of... Sunday, May 8th at 10.30 Eastern time. So after Toronto got blitzed by the lightning, the Colorado Avalanche have an 18.9% chance to win the cup. Um, They have the Toronto Maple Leafs are in second with a 13.1% chance to win the cup. And Ian, can you tell me who is in third? Because it's going to blow your mind. The Dallas Stars? No, no, not, no not don't much. be stupid. <laughs> oh, hold on, hold on. The other one is I oversold. The Penguins? It is the Pittsburgh oh, Penguins with a 9.4% chance. The Oilers, 9.3%. The, the Flames, although they only have a 49.3% chance of making the second round, are deemed to have a 7.6% chance of um, winning the Stanley Cup, while the Dallas Stars, who technically have a 50.7% chance of beating them and making the second round, have a 1.7. Uh, we currently have a 40.4% odds of making the second round, just a 13.6% of making the third, and a 2.6% chance of winning the Stanley Cup. All of that is, of course, not actually determinative of the real life results, but uh, it is kind of interesting to look at. This was a good game for the Blues. Positive result. Uh, and it's on to the next one for ye old St. Louis Blues. Um, it was a fun day in hockey, though, because the Lightning also got Blitzkrieg, which is just, it's just fulfilling for me. It's just happy, happy mm-hmm. and fulfilling. Um, the Wild, or the Lightning, I think, scored like their first three goals on six shots. Um, including a goal from Pat Maroon, which pretty much oh, yeah, tells you nice everything goal. you need to know. Um, yeah, his first six shots, while Toronto only had one on that. Five to nothing going into third. Uh, Willie Nylander, who hadn't gotten a point, um, scored uh, twice at the opening of the – well, not at the opening. Once pretty early and, and once with 12 minutes elapsed, and then the – um, Lightning still scored two more goals, presumably, possibly on an empty net, but still. Um, it, God, I hope the Lightning lose that, or the Maple Leafs lose that series. Boston has battled back. Brad Marchand called Tony D'Angelo a racist, which is not inaccurate. Um, <laughs> the internet rejoiced. Yeah, the internet celebrated. The Kings are currently up two to nothing on the Oilers because nothing can ever be easy for Edmonton. Um and Pittsburgh's up two to one in their series. Not patting myself on the back, but I did call that. Um, <laughs> we'll see how it turns out. I mean, I don't actually think that they are necessarily going to run away with it, but the Rangers do have the worst money puck odds. Or was it the worst or the second worst? Um, hold on. Let me look this back up. The second worst. The, the Predators currently have a 0% chance to win the cup. <laughs> <laughs> but the Rangers have a 0.3% chance. So, you know, they're in it. They've got a shot. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, if Igor Shosturkin is falling apart, then that team doesn't exist. Um, they've been Thanos snapped back to reality and up, up there goes gravity and so on and so forth. Um, anything else you'd like to talk about, Ian, while we're here? Um, peanut M&Ms are superior to uh, regular M&Ms. That's, that's just fact, honest truth. That's just um, true. Oh, I've got a funny story to tell you. Um, at some point, Alexa, the never mind, the robot over here, we'll just go with the robot. Um, she does these uh, uh, self care tips, self self care, I think they're oh, called yeah, occasionally yeah. at random, which are like, I'll leave them on because they're fun. Um, but uh, the other day, she was like, um, you know, hey, it's it's springtime, so you should get a haircut or get a fresh new look so you enter spring with more confidence or whatever. And I was like, I mean, I was going to get a haircut anyway, but it was just kind of in the back of my mind when I went to get a haircut today. Um, and I went there and I got my haircut. And instead of a fresh new look, I got a lecture about medicated shampoo to prevent hair loss. Interesting. <laughs> or to battle hair loss. And I was like, I don't think this is the confidence boost that Alexa had in mind um i couldn't tell it was like she was being real weird about it because like i think my hair is pretty good um yeah but she was she was being real weird about it and she wasn't like saying like you're in this position but she's saying a lot of guys they think it's good and, like, you know, and then it's not so good and i'm like what what are you trying to tell me or are you not telling me anything and you get the same sales pitch to everybody and i think it's probably that um but it may but be they uncomfortable. Found, they found a nice way to get it to get inside your head and stay. Yeah. Oh yeah. And now That's I'm really just good gonna, marketing. I'm just going to take every pill I can take uh, because the hair is all I've got Ian. you know, so you got to <laughs> stick with that. Without the um, hair, you're nothing. That's right. I have become nothingness. Um, but I just thought that was uh, a funny story to relay to y'all. I got an oil change. I got a haircut, did all sorts of stuff today. Um, but you know, the, the, the haircut came with a side of depression. (laughs) Um, yeah. So that was my day. Anything, uh, anything you wanted to share about your day and any embarrassing tidbits? No, I got nothing. Uh, I saw that Dr. Strange movie last night. Uh, Uh, I give that, give that thumbs up. You know, it's the script and the story were kind of, eh, Sorry, folks, uh, but the direction was fantastic because it's directed by Sam Raimi, and you think, yeah, they've had other directors that are real directors directing this cinematic universe, and they water them down, and they don't get to do all their stuff. You know, it's just another Marvel movie. Uh, they let Sam Raimi be Sam Raimi, and this movie was was a little, I gotta say, for a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. pretty bonkers like there's some oh, yeah? stuff in here where i was like someone's gonna bring their 12 year old kid or 10 year old kid like i love marvel i love dr strange and spoiler alert they're gonna see some deaths like actual <laughs> deaths not, not like someone got hit by a laser and they're like got blown off screen like a real some deaths <laughs> and you're gonna be like uh-oh <laughs> not for the children okay. there's definitely some scenes where i was like if they added just a little more a little more something to this this is an r movie <laughs> I was kind of I was kind of surprised, and you know, for a Marvel movie, that's pretty good. Um, the Raimi meme subreddit has a whole new batch of material to go through. That's, right. so that's what really that's oh, the real win here. Yeah, I was explaining Arlene like the Sam Raimi's whole shtick is that it's like horror, but like funny horror. 
but not like super funny, but just kind of like, what? Basically, the, the, this whole thing is like, this is spooky. And then you kind of go, huh? And then you kind of <laughs> laugh to yourself. Uh, there's a scene. I'll have to tell you afterwards. I don't want to spoil anything. There's a scene in here that's too much for me. Uh, All right. We're it's a good time. To go have, see it. We're going to have to hang up and tell me. That's what you're going to have to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, that uh, that covers everything from, from Dr. Strange to medicine. <laughs> Dr. Dr. Quinn to medicine woman. Um <laughs> Blues will play on Tuesday night. We'll, we'll try to record after that, unless we're depressed. Maybe maybe it'll be another Wednesday afternoon. We'll so need more medicine for that. Or if Ian's asleep again. Um, no sleepies, Ian. No nappies. You no, gotta, no, you gotta no, I gotta take a nap beforehand. That's, that's right. Maybe that's right. A preemptive nappy. Um, uh, for those of you at home celebrating this Mother's Day or this May 9th, when you're listening to this, probably. What is May 9th? Is May 9th a holiday somewhere? Probably. May the ninth be with you. May the- <laughs> exactly. May 9th is um sure it's a liberation day, day uh, in the Channel Islands. Um, it's Europe Day. It's Victory Day, celebrating the Soviet Union victory. Oh, I'm not, oh not, what? No thanks. Let's not celebrate those gentlemen right now. Um, yeah, so you know, celebrate uh something today i was gonna name a death but that doesn't seem that doesn't seem kind mm-hmm. so you know it's a uh, prince fielder's birthday have a happy prince fielder's <laughs> birthday everyone and we'll oh anniversary andrew wk there you go everybody loves andrew wk enjoy andrew wk's birthday <laughs> and have a good night see you Into the night for